Hello and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell here for opening night of hockey. DJ, it's Tuesday, October 12th. You know what that means, right? It's opening night, baby. How you doing? Yeah, of course. Always Tuesday, October 12th when opening night happens. I mean, I'm good. It, it's crazy. Um, of course, the NHL season starts with an absolute banger of terrible news. Um, so, yeah, we actually have a lot to cover on a two-game slate and a 50K to first slate. So I'm really excited about it. Um, but, yeah, how is everything with you? Are we ready? Are we, are we prepared to win it all? Aye, aye, Captain. We are very ready. Um, yeah, you know, it's a two-gamer, which when there's 50K up top um, – isn't the best, you know, it, it's certainly a little disheartening to, to know that like me and 7,000 of my closest friends are probably going to land on one V ones of each other for most lineups. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm hoping that with some of the uncertainty that is now introduced in Seattle and just general sort of question marks around each of these four teams, honestly, um, maybe we can sort of land ourselves on some contrarian angles to differentiate our lineups and, you know, give us a shot at 50K playing hockey. Uh, that is incredibly rare. Uh, also rare is that it's only a $10 buy-in. Usually the 50K, you know, that that usually comes in the $300-ish dollar range um, of buy-in. So, you know, it truly is like uh, a slate for the ages, I would say. So it's very interesting from both a hockey perspective, uh, from an off-ice perspective related to hockey, and also in the DFS streets. So I say, let's just get right on into things. Um, if you are listening to this, uh, be sure to go back in your podcast feed, because I will also be posting our season preview. Uh, that will not be sort of date specific. So if you listen to it on, say, Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, uh, obviously there will be the first game of the year, but it won't really be that big of a deal if you you know, don't listen to it the second it comes out. So just make sure you're going back and checking that one out uh, where we go through some of our more macro thoughts on the season, any more structured format than we did say the underdog best ball drafts, which were kind of, you know, just us talking about our thoughts throughout the draft. Um, so anyway, DJ, we've got two games here in the DFS streets. We are looking at Tampa hosting Pittsburgh and we've got Seattle hosting Vegas uh, or sorry, Vegas. Wait, Vegas is hosting Seattle. Yes. Why is that? Maybe their stadium. Uh, That's uh, weird. That's weird. No, it, it's. It, it, I did think that was weird as well. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, anyway, I don't really know. But um, you know, the other thing that before, I mean, before we get too in the weeds here, I mean, are you even gonna talk about underdog fantasy? Oh. I mean, I figured we would save that for the very end. Um, but you know, we're, we're always here uh, touting our friends over at Underdog. So. Be sure to sign up over on underdog.com, underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code mm -hmm. MSP when you sign up. The link will be in the description of this pod. Uh, we will be able to talk about some of the, uh, let's say, the underdog-specific things for this slate. Um, we'll get to those at the end, though. So uh, just fast forward if that's all you're interested in. But first, we're going to talk about the daily fantasy angles, and hopefully you can use some of that in your underdog drafting. So... DJ, did that suffice? Thank you. That was perfect. I, I just needed to hear it. Wonderful. Alrighty. Um, so yeah, I mean, where to begin? Um, so, I mean, the first thing that we should really talk about is the Seattle roster at this moment is um, one, it's brand new. We, you know, we've had a few preseason games with these guys 
And secondly, it's already in shambles uh, due to COVID-19. Like not even Seattle, the brand new team, can avoid the uh, pitfalls of COVID season. And it looks like the beginning of this season will be marred by a similar incident. Uh, By last count, it was four uh, players at least scheduled to be on opening night roster missing this game, right? I can pull it up. I definitely had it. Um, Don Skoy, Johansson, Alexiak, McCann, but, and then the other side, um, Yanmark. And then, I mean, I don't really know exactly what the Gord situation is other than like it seemingly is an injury, but he also was mentioned as a potential like contact in some capacity to the COVID situation. So like that doesn't help his cause considering he Mm -hmm. had practice. Um, So four or five and then one on the other side. And then there was concern because March is so practice and they said he's fine to play. So we'll see if, if there's anything to that, but seemingly no. Um, yeah. yeah, but that, that's the main news on that game. Yeah. So uh, just as sort of like a, you know, when we're talking about this, I'm currently seeing Vegas is minus 250 favorites, uh, which is obviously pretty sizable. Um, you know, especially if, if Vegas is sort of on the, in the mindset that Seattle could potentially be a playoff team. Uh, obviously, the bookmakers think that Vegas is going to be uh, the best team in their division. However, um, you know, it's not like Seattle's a pushover, at least from the very beginning. Uh, we might have some quibbles with that. I, I don't know. We haven't talked about our season preview yet. But, um, you know, this sort of seems to me like uh, Vegas, you know, the, the books are really saying that Seattle's going to be hurting from this. I certainly do not disagree. <laughs> um, you know, it's a pretty tough loss to take this close to opening night and, and whatnot. Um, so anyway, just a very interesting situation unfolding, uh, really not what we expected for a two game slate. So, um, before we talk about some of the more like specific strategies of this slate, um, uh, unless you had anything else to add, DJ, I was going to talk a bit about my research before the show. Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, actually I did a recording with one of my, my buddies over at down the block sports and it Vegas is almost, I mean, not Vegas, Seattle is almost a dead coin flip. I'm making the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was a little bit surprising. Like, is it basically an overreaction or not? I know we're going to get to on the other podcast, but that was, you know, you know, a minus 200 in that kind of a situation. If it wasn't for all of this COVID situation, you know, I would kind of think like, man, this could be closer than that. So um, Seattle takes a tough hit here on the books. And I think there could be a fine team going forward, but yeah, let's, let's get into what you found. Cause you found some really interesting macro two game slate stuff. And I think that, that we should go over that for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, first disclaimer, let, let's make sure you all listening, get in our discord, uh, the morning skate podcast discord, follow us on Twitter at morning skate pod to get in there. Uh, I do plan on expanding on some of these thoughts throughout the day on Tuesday, um, and there's more than just me for sure. Uh, tons of people offering amazing input. Uh, it's a great place, a great community. So I do highly suggest you join. And if you sort of came and then you left for one reason or another, come on back. I promise you it's a bit nicer of a place than it was um, just a little bit ago. So, you know, uh, just had to sort of tighten things up around the discord. You know how it is on the internet. So anyway, just the plug to join the discord because we'll go even deeper than this. But anyway, um, I spent the $14 on Fantasy Cruncher for the week just to look into this and, and probably some other stuff too. But um, my first venture on Fantasy Cruncher was to go into their lineup study tool. Um, very interesting, very valuable. Um, but anyway, I found every slate from last year 
with at least $10,000 to first place in like their 10, 15, $20 entry tournament. Uh, so pretty much their standard large GPP. And with only two to three games on the slate. Unfortunately, we only had, I believe it was two, maybe three, uh, two game slates. So some of these are three gamers, obviously. But I think this, you know, some of the takeaways still stand that it's a very condensed player pool. You have to be really careful to avoid duplicates. And so what I found from a correlation perspective, because I think the main consensus is um, if you take away anything from this podcast, make yourself at least a four man stack. And if you really want to five and six man stacks also seem pretty plus EV. Um, So let's dig into it. We had 12 slates like that last year, 11 of those 12 winning GPP lineups that took home, you know, the 10, 20 K I believe one of them was, even uh, 30K. Uh, nope, nope, just 10 and 20K. But anyway, uh, the winners of all of those contests, 11 of them. So only one did not use at least four players in their lineup. Um, so occurring three times is probably the more standard that you would think of, the 4-3-1 stack. We had a 4-2-2 two, two stack, take it down once. We had a four, uh, sorry, four times the 4-3-1 took it down. I don't know why I can't read. Um, I made tally marks and counting the four is tough. We had a six one one. I'll talk about that one in a second because I freaking love that lineup, man. Uh, we have the five two one, another favorite of mine. The five and two, uh, big big fan, big fan of that. Here we had a four two one one take things down, and then in the playoffs last year, actually we had two contests that fit this criteria. One of them was won by a three three two, the only non four man stack, and as you'll notice. They had two three-man stacks, so, you know, kind of cheating, but uh, definitely correlation is king on these slates. And then finally, another 4-2-2 in the playoffs. So I found that really interesting. You know, if you just build your, you know, optimizer to go 3-3 and then whatever else you want, it's probably negative EV. Um, So really being sure that you're tightly correlating your teams you're crossing up, you know, defensemen and forwards, like that kind of thing. I just think that is so important. Um, when you look at things from a macro level, only about 50 to 66, maybe 70% of the field is using at least four man stacks on these slates. So that's, you know, if you're talking 90 ish percent win rate versus 70% utilization rate, you should just be making every lineup with at least four players from one team. In my estimation, by the way, that does not include goalies because goalies don't matter. Um, But, you know, obviously correlate your goalies when you can, because you don't want to take guys against your goalie. And on these types of slates, that is very, very difficult. Um, So, DJ, I know uh, I know I'm rambling on here, but the last thing I wanted to mention was that 6-1-1 lineup because I just freaking love that lineup, man. Um, So we're going back to February 21st, where. The three games on the slate were Winnipeg, Vancouver, Philly, Boston, and Montreal, Ottawa. The winner who took home the cool 10K had a six-man Winnipeg stack against Vancouver. That's right. Stack against Vancouver and make all the money. It's my motto last year. It's my motto this year. All in, baby. Vancouver freaking sucks on defense. Um, But yeah, so this guy just straight up stacked. Line one, Shifley, Connor, Wheeler. And then he stacked Dubois, Forbert, 
and Morrissey, leaving only David Pasternak as a one-off in his utility. Uh, by the way, played as utility guy, uh, you know, early, or sorry, yeah, the earliest guy in his team was his utility guy, Alpha Sharp move, sure. Alpha. and then Matt Murray, uncorrelated goalie in that. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to hit the stones and that six man stack, uh, absolutely smashed. <laughs> um, even Derek Forbert put up 12 and a half points. Um, you know, sometimes you just really run into the stones. And so I just wanted to shout out that lineup because I think it is a perfect uh, replica of, you know, how these weird correlations can win. Um, because they just got a ton of goals from Winnipeg and guess what? No one else had six-man Winnipeg stack, so they won all the money. Um, Pasta also smashed, but they probably couldn't afford the you know first line of Boston and all of these uh, Winnipeg pieces. So just a very interesting way to you know go go about things. And uh, yeah, DJ, any any other thoughts that come up, or do you kind of want to get into the nitty gritty now of this slate in particular? No, no. I mean, I really do think that like the one thing that I know we talked about a lot last year and will continue this year is I definitely change my mentality with how many games are on a slate. And I, I really hope others do that as well. Like you're mentioning, like this is not for your 12 game massive slate. This is for the very small slates, but I think it's really important to know that because it will give you an edge. And I, I think you mentioned it. And I, I'm sorry if I missed it, but it was the amount of teams that had these four man stacks was much lower than I expected. So yeah. you're kind of um, cutting part of the field off by doing this it, all around. It feels like the right play. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's talk about that specific three man slate or three, geez, that three game slate uh, that I was just talking about, you know, all those teams to when it was a six man stack, all that stuff um, on the slate, 81% or 86% of lineups had a three man stack. Uh, or greater, obviously, um, forty-seven or 45% had a four-man stack, 8% had a five-man stack, and 4% had six-player stacks. Um, so you're talking 45 plus eight plus four. That is about 57% in this particular contest, having at least a four-man stack. Um, as we mentioned, 11 of 12, you call that maybe 90, even round down to 80. It's a very plus EV move um, just based on the data to sort of make these highly correlated uh, onslaughts of sort. Um, so yeah, that, that's really kind of the, the game, I think. And a very interesting piece of the puzzle in terms of figuring out this slate. Um, okay, so let's go on into the actual slate itself. Um, you know, we will do our best to cover the Seattle side of things. We are pretty uncertain on the news though, about what will you know transpire. So we'll do our best to kind of go through the slate and give our uh, overreaching thoughts there as well. So DJ, do you want to go game by game or start position by position uh, up to you here? So, it sounds like uh, DJ, you maybe didn't hear me. Nope, not at all. Okay. Uh, do you want to go game by game or position by position through here? I, I just thought game by game would be easier because cool. there's a lot of news. Yeah, so, sorry about that. It, literally, the internet was gone for a second. That's 
part part of this setup, which yeah, I didn't really, I think I did I even mention it? I don't even know. Now I'm losing my mind, but I know you basically, did not. yeah, I'm basically like living with a friend or a couple of different friends till November 1st. I have an apartment that I think I'm going to be able to get in Buffalo, but it's been, uh, yeah, kind of just got bags all around me. I'm actually recording on top of all of my clothes in a container on top of a cooler. It's a really cool setup that I have nice. right now because I have absolutely no space. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's just go game by game, two game slate. We won't do this all the time. I know some people like it anyways. We'll start with Pittsburgh at Tampa Bay. I just talked extensively about this game 10 minutes ago for the Mayo Media Network. It is very heavily in favor of Tampa at home, raising the banner. I think that that's, you know, probably the way it's going to go. Um, if, if I gave you, I, I think you'll probably know, but um, for people listening, just try to think like who is online with Carter and Rust and take five guesses, Jeff Carter, live one center and, and uh, Brian Rust on the wing. And let me know if you guessed, Grumble, please, Dalton Heinen. Um, probably not, I'm going to assume. So yeah, it's Dalton Heinen, Heinen as... I mean, I, I don't have a problem with him as a play in general, I guess. I'm probably not – hopefully I don't have to get myself there, but he's not the worst thing in the world. Um, they have Zucker, Rodriguez, and Kapanen as the second line. A lot of weird power play run in the um, last preseason game, but I think it's pretty indicative of what they'll have. So that first power play they ran, and I believe actually I do have what they ran in practice – so why not just pull that up? Yep. Latang, Rust, Kapanen, Carter, and Zucker was power play one. Matheson, Marino, Rodriguez, Simone, and Heinen was power play two. So I think a yep. lot of people, if they do get to Pittsburgh, which it is the higher over-under game, um, will probably find themselves somewhere with that top power play, which I think yeah, is pretty and, fair. Um, I, I just want to kind of swoop oh, in here because what we're talking about is a Pittsburgh team that is without Cindy Crosby and Evgeny Malkin to start the season. And also Jake Gensel will miss this first game. Uh, he's just returning from the COVID list. So that is why you're sort of, you know, like they're not a very deep team to begin with. And then you take out their three best forwards and yeah, it gets pretty gross pretty quickly, um, but there should be some value there. So, all right, anyway, go ahead. You know, so yeah, I think that Pittsburgh is cheap. Um, not all of their players are quite cheap enough. Like, I think Carter's fine at 6,100, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it myself. Um, so I think that there's some meat on the bone with Pittsburgh, but I'm not going to be overly diving in on too much of their plays. I almost like Kapanen um, as more of a one-off type myself. I think he's pretty talented overall, as well as going to see that power play one role. I mean, my question is who is going to be the guy that plays kind of Malkin's position there, you know, who's going to be the guy because yeah. You know, who, who is giving the shooter on the power play? I, I really don't know. Like that, maybe uh, it's I mean, happening. Maybe it's Zucker. I, I, you know, I don't know. It used to be, uh, it used to be McCann and McCann's now uh, in Seattle and on the COVID list. So kind of right. Uh, exactly. I don't uh, symmetry there, but my assumption is that it's probably Jeff Carter, which makes me a little upset that this DK price seems to have gone up so high um, because I was sort of, you know, earmarking him as like the, the go-to guy uh, for the Penguins to begin things. Um, but I do think Zucker is very, very interesting. Um, he comes in at only 4,400. Obviously, he's a wing. Um, but if we're talking like Pittsburgh power play, I, I think that um, I think that Zucker makes the most sense to me with Kapanen probably being more of an upside piece than a like yeah. one-off. Um, you could certainly see Kapanen scoring like a breakaway goal or, you know, shorthanded something or other. Um, but I kind of think that I want like 
build around Carter and I want to build around uh, Zucker if I'm doing uh, Pittsburgh and also Chris Letang. Um, yeah. I, I think Chris Letang might be the uh, un- overlooked guy on the slate in terms of defense because obviously we have Victor Hedman on the Tampa side, but also think about the Vegas run that Petrangelo went on. Alec Martinez was a complete monster. Um, Shea Theodore, we're kind of expecting him to play. He's been a mm-hmm. question mark all preseason. We, we don't really know what the deal is with him, um, but right now we're expecting him in. And also Mark Giordano. I mean, you know, especially if Seattle's losing all of these guys, Gio's going to be their power play one defenseman, uh, should play a ton of minutes and, you know, just has the peripherals. So if you're talking, all of those dudes are on this slate. I think Chris Letang goes overlooked in a pretty massive way. Um, so I will be sure to try and be over the field on Chris Letang because I honestly think he might be uh, the third best defenseman of that group um, in terms of DFS. I think Petrangelo and Martinez have really earned their stripes, so to speak. Um, but if we don't have firm Vegas power play units, then it honestly might, you know, move me more, even more toward Letang. So um yeah, Pittsburgh, very interesting. And I think we talked about all the main guys. Anyone else you wanted to just sort of mention as a uh, one-off type play deeper in the lineup on Pittsburgh before we get over to the Tampa side? I, I mean, I think if you're like trying to talk me into anything, it's probably like an Evan Rodriguez. Um, if you're playing like a guy like Mike Matheson, who I think is a bit of a value for Pittsburgh, if you're trying to get some really cheap correlation with rate shooters that I don't hate, um, that would probably be where I go, but I just don't know why you'd have to get there, but it could set you apart because those guys should be pretty under owned on this slate. Um, Erod is a guy that always kind of has the rate stats, but I don't know if he's quite cheap enough for me to be like, well, I got to pay 4,400 for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's basically where I'm at with them, but yeah, let's just get over to the Tampa side. Yeah. It's, you know, um, sorry. Yeah. I, I like that oh, line oh. stack. Zucker, Rodriguez, Kapanen, just, I, just making sure that's out there that all three of those guys are together. They are pretty cheap. And I think that, uh, they make sense, even a four-man with the Tang. You know, there's your four-man stack. Uh, pretty cool, if you ask me. So, um, all right. So, yeah, give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, same top six, a um, little bit different with the rest, though. So, it's the same five power play unit that we're used to, have been Kalorn, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos. They are a very expensive line one and a much cheaper line two. Um, Sorelli is only 3,900, for example, just put that out there. He was hurt in preseason, but he seemingly is good to go for this next game or first game out. I think the kind of the biggest value piece for Tampa is Sergeyev, which doesn't seem priced correctly at 3,400, at least in my estimation. He should be on the second power play. I guess we don't have anything like ultra confirming that yet, but there's almost no way that isn't going to be the case. So I, I think that he could be a little bit interesting as far as like a defenseman that, I don't think the ownership will quite match what I think his upside is type of play. Um, And then as far as the rest of Tampa, you know, if you're making X amount of lineups, more than five, you should really have point Palat Kucherov in some of them. Maybe instead of uh, Palat, you put in Hedman instead, or you put all four, as we mentioned, the four man stack Mm -hmm. is kind of what we're looking at. Um, Palat not on the first power play does hurt that overall upside, but on a two game slate, I mean, it's not egregious to think that, Line one for Tampa scores two goals and plus involved in at least one of them and, and on the winning lineup. So I don't know if I'm going to be dumpster diving on Tampa too much. If I do get myself to a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to run X amount of teams. Let's get a few other guys in. 
you know, there isn't anyone that I think is an absolute stone cold steal, but I mean, man, Roscoe was more expensive than I thought. Um, <laughs> I thought he'd be like minimum salary. Uh, sure. officially, I, I don't know. Is there yeah, anyone uh, past the Corey Perry has been a monster in preseason. Um, you know, who knows how sustainable that is, but he's the exact kind of guy who, if you're talking about a one-off, um, he's cheap. He stands in front of the net and he'll probably, you know, jam home some rebounds uh, when he gets the chance. So um, I, I don't hate his price. Um, you know, the thing with Tampa that I think is very interesting this year is that they are no longer a deep team. Like they are loaded with talent from top to bottom, but you know, they lost their entire, I would call it their entire second line. Um, you know, with all due respect to Anthony Sorelli, um, you know, that Gord Coleman Goodrow line was awesome for them, um, especially in terms of, you know, on ice driving uh, play. So that just forces a lot more of the responsibility onto this top line. So I really do think that, you know, Kucherov point are just going to have monster seasons uh, barring injury. We've heard, you know, that obviously in the playoffs, Kucherov was pretty good. So, you know, seems like he's still healthy after that. Um, So we are truly dealing with a Tampa team that right now seems about at peak health. Um, One interesting angle is that you were talking about Palat. Steven Stamkos is $100 more. And if you're talking about point Kucherov stacks, I almost kind of prefer Steven Stamkos and maybe some of the optimizer bros just, you know, they get jammed a lot and we get to say, yeah, you know, we have Stamkos and Kucherov's going to try and feed him. If Kucherov has his three point night that you're probably going to need to win GPPs, you're going to guess at least one of those points is setting up uh, Stamkos on the power play. So, you know, that's who the power play still runs through. It's a Steven Stamkos show. Um, and, you know, his weapon and the threat of Kucherov, just it, it's so dynamic, that power play. So while Palat is a really good player, I kind of think that, you know, in a if you ask me to just pick one, I kind of want to stack them with Stamkos. Um, but I'll have both across, you know, my MME set, of course. Um, but I do think that Stamkos would be in more of those two-man stacks with Kucherov in point than uh, Palat would be. So very interesting. Um, yeah, definitely. So, any yeah, I mean, other, other, yeah. ah, I don't think there's anyone we really need to be like forcing into our lineups. Um, the second power play unit, if anyone is thinking about trying to get contrarian, at least in their last preseason game was Sergeyev with Perry, Palat, Maroon, and Colton. I guess that's probably what it's going to be. I don't really see any changes there. So um, I don't think you need to do that. I think yeah. just keep that first power play. I, I'm going to have it in probably, I, I mean, my plan right now is to make like eight lineups and I'm probably going to have it in like five or six, some correlation of that and maybe just fade it in like one just to say like, you know what, like if Tampa scores three and they somehow get skunked on those lines or whatever, but um, we can move over to Seattle, Vegas. Um, But we already mentioned a lot of the news on Seattle. It doesn't really need to go into much detail other than they, I assume will not be able to roster a full team. I mean, I don't know where they're going to get these guys from. Uh, Alex Barry Boulay was a guy they picked up from Tampa he won't be on the slate regardless, just because even if he does get there in time to play, he's not going to be changed over in the DraftKings format. So I, I do think this could open a door for a couple real cheap options. Ryan Donato, 2,700, could be one of those guys that might get that first power play role. I know, Matt, you are here. I could see you smiling. Um, it's like there, there are guys here that I think are going to really be able to fit into your lineup to make them what you want. Um, 
I think that Seattle, like I'm already mentioning, is going to give you that value just because of the news. Morgan Geeky, 2,800. Um, there you go. Like I can't imagine playing like 5,100 Wemberg, even though he might be in a supremely big role um, just because he doesn't seem to shoot the puck. You have um, a defenseman that should be playing a five on five with, with Mark Giordano in Hayden Fleury at minimum salary. Like these are kind of the guys that I think might be able to plug in to complete those, the lineups that I think you want, the four man Tampa stacks, the four man Vegas stacks that you're hoping a guy like Hayden Fleury blocks three shots and gets a point. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking about with Seattle, but is there any other angle on the Kraken that you want to get to? So I will be the first one to tell you that Alex Funberg does not shoot the puck. However, um, I watched the Kraken in the preseason and they were using Wenberg in the uh, sort of on the right half wall and he was taking one timers. Um, my, I was, my mind was blown. Uh, my jaw still is not, you know, it has not come up into my mouth because like my jaw has just dropped that Alex Wenberg is taking shots. But if you're telling me that Wenberg Eberly Schwartz is going to be power play one and line one, uh, as we expect with no McCann. Um, yeah, I, I am very much about that. I, I'm hoping that Wenberg's price is, um, you know, enough to sort of take people off of him. Oddly enough, it's like the spot where you kind of pay up to be contrarian, I would say. Um, because right there, you have both of the Vegas guys in Stevenson and Carlson. And, you know, frankly, Wenberg should not have been more expensive than McCann. And McCann would have been donkey chalk i kind of feel like had this slate not been affected by covid um so i'm just kind of hoping here that that news moves people onto the vegas side of things and i will take my stabs at wenberg um i mean you mentioned ryan donato like this is the easiest spot in world history to get over the field on ryan donato um you know, not only is he likely to play in the top six alongside Geeky and Tanev, which isn't great, but, you know, they got to play someone. Um, there's also a small chance he slides up on the top power unit in, yeah. say, McCann's place. Um, I mean, you know, hopefully we have some of this cleared up by morning skate. But, man, th- this could be the smash of all smashes for the guy who just loves to shoot whenever the puck is on his stick. Um, I think Donato is the best value on the slate period. If you're talking, you know, sub 4k guys. Um, but yeah, there's a lot that remains to be seen on the Seattle side. Um, and then obviously should mention Giordano. He seems like he will basically be the guy that he was in Calgary. If the preseason is any indicator, um, Vince Dunn has been priced up. He had a couple, uh, he had a couple real nice power play goals in the preseason. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I can pay 5k for Vince Dunn when there's all of these guys, you know, six and mid fives that are, I just think better than him. Um, but if you're correlating, obviously keep an eye out for the power play units, but if Donato is confirmed second unit, I could definitely see myself going some Dunn Donato stacks myself. So um, any other guys on Seattle you wanted to get to before Vegas? Um, no, I mean, I think we pretty much covered everything. I, you know, I could, still see a scenario where especially like I said if I make enough lineups I'm gonna end up with some Jaden Schwartz just because I think he will be kind of the top trigger man on that power play at this at this rate with McCann not playing so I do think at 5k he's in play and I and I do wonder like will enough people not get 
to him because of that price tag. And I think that you might end up being able to be overweight on the field with a guy that I mean, they like, frankly, might have 10 forwards. They might have, you know, I, I don't know for sure. Um, so I think there's some value in those Seattle guys in, in this first game, but we can get over to Vegas. I mean, it's again, kind of like Tampa. A lot of it is what you'd expect more or less. Um, is there anywhere you want to start with them before I just dive into the lines or? Um, no, I mean, you, you go ahead. Yeah. So the first line will be Pacioretty, Stephens in and Stone. Seems pretty obvious. Smith, Carlson, and um, Smith being a real nice value on this slate, I think, uh, with Marcheseau, who, like I mentioned, did not practice in the, in the Monday skate, but should be good to go per Peter DeBoer. Line three was Krebs, Patrick, and Dadanoff. Um, so I, you know, I really do think that that's a very strong line three with some good upside Peyton Krebs minimum salary on this slate. As long as he does yeah. play, he could be a, you know, another guy, like you could just punt both center positions, which right. Yeah. He's is a, a center in this slate, which he's a winger, but that's fine. Um, and just load up on all the wings, however you want to kind of do it. But Donato and Krebs are your kind of center punts if you need them. Um, I don't exactly know where Krebs will line up on the power play or if he'll get any run at all there. Um, do you have anything you wanted to mention on any of that? Just have at it. Floor is yours. Um, so, no, I'm not expecting uh, Krebs to get power play time, um, which obviously, you know, if he did, I think that he would enter into the conversation. I don't think he's established as much of a shoot first mentality as Donato. Um, but if, you're playing, say, a Vegas defenseman and you need a last guy in. I think that Krebs is obviously talented enough to put up the kind of night, you know, multi-point night probably that you need to ship a GBP. Um, he's certainly more of the sprinkle type play to me. Um, also making that difficult is if you want to stack his line. Um, you know, Patrick is a center. Krebs is a center, like you said. So it's a little dicey when you're talking about fading basically all of the other centers. Um that I think we both really like. Um, so, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's certainly doable, but also one important thing is there's no Alex Tuck to start the year. Um, and he's just a really, really good player. Um, I know Badanov is supposedly the next coming of Jack Eichel or something. Like why else mm-hmm. would you ship Flurry out of town to just replace him with Evgeny Dadanov? I don't know. Um, but basically, I just don't think that that third line is something that I want to be overly targeting because I think it kind of makes things tricky, um, given that we're kind of, you know, it's not impossible, obviously, but I kind of think center is a bit more valuable than wing on this slate. So punting the center position, I already liked Donato enough to where, like, you know, I, I don't know if I need to do that too many times, but um yeah, you know, uh, we should see Smith, Carlson, Marcheseau. We're projecting the power play to be Martinez and Petrangelo with that line. And then Shea Theodore to play on the top unit, so to speak, with Stone, Patches. And it's kind of a guess. Um, the The current beat writer has Nolan Patrick and Dadanov. I kind of think it'll be Stevenson and Dadanov. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely more of a shot in the dark. Also making that difficult is we haven't seen Shea Theodore yet this year. <laughs> um, so, you know, if he needs a game or two to get up to speed, well, you know, you're, you're, you're losing out. So I don't know. Um, I'm really interested to see where ownership comes down on this game. I, I kind of think that people will play 
uh, Patches, Stone, Stevenson with Petrangelo. And I don't think that's necessarily correct. Um, so I'm going to see what ownership looks like before I make a final call here. And I certainly do suggest you do, you do too. Um, but the power play too is much more interesting to me. Carlson, Marcheseau, Smith is clean as it gets. They've been that way for years. Um, Petrangelo, Martinez, they're both awesome guys in their own right. So they only need one point to put up, you know, slate winning type scores because they can put up five shots and a three blocks each. Um, so that's my lean right now. But if there's going to be any leverage on playing Max Pacioretty, well, you know, I'll be first in line. So, um, you know, just keep an eye on it. But I think that's my stance as of this moment. Yeah, no, I, Vegas, I feel like has more of the options that, that, you know, this game in general, I think has a lot of like, not as much as obvious, like you probably should play these guys as the Pittsburgh Tampa game. Um, so let's, let's get into a couple more things before we close this out. We've probably gone long enough on a two game slate. Yep. So let me ask you two questions. Number one, it doesn't matter how many laps you make. Do you think that there's value in at least leaving, let's say 500 to a thousand on the table when you're making your lineups um, in this slate to try to differentiate, or is it just correlation is yeah. key? Don't worry about anything else. I think particularly if you are stacking Tampa and Vegas together, it'll be very important to try and be different somewhere. Um, you know, if that means going a pure punt defenseman on the third pair, if that means leaving money on the table while still playing, you know, quote unquote, good plays, so be it. Um, as soon as you start, you know, as soon as you start mixing in some of these, the Nottos, some of these Pittsburgh guys, especially like the second line of Pittsburgh, I, I'm not honestly that worried about duplication where to the point where I'm like, yeah, you have to leave at least $500 on the table. Um, if you're hand building a lineup and it feels like you're sort of just clicking in the most obvious last guy in your hand build, you're probably going to be duped if, you know, if you're zeroing out salary. So do be mindful of that. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're talking one duplicate on the nuts lineup, well, you go from 50K to 35K. So, you know, it, it's certainly not the end of the world if you're duped. Um, but I would be mindful of your, you know, Tampa Vegas stacks in particular. But yeah, that, that's kind of my, my stance. Okay. I think that I kind of made that into a two-part question, but I feel like I may have had another one, but I don't know if it really matters. Um, All right. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't yeah, we let's, get on uh, out of here? Let's get on yeah. out of here. Um, usually at this part of the show is when we do our top stacks and guaranteed goals for this season, due to our new partnership with underdog fantasy, we are hoping to talk about some, uh, you know, like top plays, so to speak for the slate. If you're doing their, uh, battle Royale type games, which is like a, you know, single day, uh, snake draft style, or even their like pick them games. But because it's the opening night and because they're still trying to fill that best ball tournament, um, they haven't, you know, they haven't released that yet because they're trying to make us fill that best ball tournament. Um, if you are listening to this Tuesday morning, there should be some overlay. It'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you get on over to Underdog Fantasy, deposit using promo code MSP to get your entry into the best ball tournament. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun. We've done multiple podcasts on it now. So be sure you do that. Um, but just wanted to let you know that's where. Uh, that segment is going. So let's do two guaranteed goals though, because you know, we, we got to stay 
in the rhythm uh, to a piece, I guess. And uh, then we can get out of here. So what are your thoughts? Let's do it. All right. I will go with Ryan Donato and I will go with, um, Ooh, I will go with Steven Stamkos for my other one. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Donato was, that's a good call. You know, yeah. I'll go, I'll go Morgan geeky. then. I'll, I'll go with the, <laughs> the I'll get, Seattle I'll boys. Okay. Um, why not? Because he's incredibly cheap. And I mean, I just, I, I really do think he could be like the rate shooter that no one really is talking about. Like he had games if you go through his game logs where he had four shots in nine minutes. Like I do, I don't know if he's going to, you know, sure automatically turn that into whatever, but like, yeah, he seems pretty solid and I'm going to just like, I think I'll probably end up with like most of my last with Kucherov. I'm not going to lie. Okay. So that's that's my plan is like I said, make do eight it. right now. I'm not positive. If I'm going to get there, I might end up only doing four and then spreading it a bit out. But if I do four, by all four of Kucherov in him. Nice. Um, okay. So be sure to head on over to Morning Skate Pod on Twitter. Give us a follow. Uh, follow me at Fake Moods. Follow DJ at DJ underscore Mitchell 94. Uh, be sure to watch DJ's video on the Mayo Media Network that will be posted uh, You know when you're listening to this. Let's see. What else? Go back in your podcast feed, listen to our season preview when you get the chance. Uh, there'll be some you know, fun stuff in there, some uh, season-long sort of uh, betting takes, whatever else you want, uh, and kind of get our sense of where each team is to begin the year. So with all that said, DJ, did I miss anything in terms of classic outro stuff? Nope. All righty. From Doug, from DJ, from myself, have a good opening slate, everybody, and we will see you.